two, one. Here we go! Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. Today, I'm talking with Michael Martin again. And we got a few topics to talk about Thunderwise. That includes the latest on the Josh Giddy situation, uh, and also talking about Giddy's play on the floor. How is it suffering aside from what's happening off the floor for him this season? We talk a little bit about OKC's loss to the Timberwolves and the in-season tournament overall. We also talk about Chet Holmgren. What has really impressed us with him this season? And sometimes. Opponents throw zone defenses at OKC. It throws them for a loop. So we're going to dive into that and, and throw out ways maybe they can fix that. So looking forward to this conversation. Before we get there, I want to thank the sponsors for our show, which include MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Jobs, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Now, let's get on to our show. Let's bring in sellout crowds, Michael Martin. Um, Michael, you know, a topic that uh, we have to talk about a little bit here uh, is the Josh Giddy situation. And, you know, one thing that I think we, we have to underscore, uh, as with any allegations of this nature uh, are, are in that realm, you need, to, you need to be careful. You know, you need to be very... Um, you need to be very judicious in how you talk about it. You need to be careful about, you know, where you take your information from. And so, you know, from that stance, uh, I, I'm I'm sticking with what is coming from the NBA, uh, what's coming from the Thunder, which so far has been no comments, uh, and as well as the Huntington Beach Police. So, you know, the latest earlier today, uh, the Newport Beach Police Department issued a press release um, that, you know, they are aware, they are investigating of an alleged relationship between Josh Giddy and a female minor. Uh, they are actively seeking additional information related to these allegations and pursuing all leads and evidence to obtain the facts of the case. And yeah, there is some other additional reporting from TMZ on this topic. But, you know, again, um, I'm, I'm just... I'm taking the info in very carefully and, and, uh, you know, sort of letting this process play out. Um, you know, you as how challenging is this for you, you know, knowing that, you know, this is sort of in the background or even in the, in the foreground of Thunder basketball and, you know, how, how to, you know, properly handle this topic, you know, whenever it, it comes up, because when Josh Giddy goes uh, to Minnesota and is booed relentlessly throughout the arena, there's a reason for that, <laughs> you know, and, and getting into the specifics can be a little bit dicey. Absolutely. It's, it's a difficult situation. I mean, obviously the most important thing is the off the floor and we don't have all the facts yet, but yeah, it doesn't make it easy for guys like you and I and Brett just covering this where you don't want to just bury this and act like it doesn't exist because that's irresponsible. But you also don't want to go in either direction where you take a stance on, you know, this happened or this happened, because the reality is we just don't know. So you would like to just say, we'll just continue business as usual. But it, it's very difficult to do that. I mean, tweeting out this is a great play or this is a bad play or something like that. There's always going to be these things of like underlying context that people look into. But it's it's not a great situation, but I'm with you. Until we get all the facts, I, I can't make my mind up and give you like a big overarching opinion. Yeah. And I mean, kind of kind of making uh, definitive declarative statements right now is um, it would be reckless. And so, you know, letting 
the NBA continue its investigation, uh, letting the Huntington Beach Police Department continue their investigation. And they're going to work at their own pace. Um, you know, who knows? They may have uh, some information uh, by the end of this sentence, uh, or it could be another week or another month. Um, again, they're at their own pace. And, you know, in the meantime, uh, Josh Giddy is still playing. Um, and Mark Dagnald has been, uh, he has been very, uh, very succinct, very precise, um, that Josh is playing, uh, that obviously it's an NBA matter at this point, And there's no comment on what's going to happen off the floor. There's been the topic of, you know, people are wondering why is he still playing? Why isn't he suspended? Why isn't he put on the sidelines? And, you know, again, no two situations are the same. I'm not drawing comparisons here. I'm just going back and adding just a little context here so people understand. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant in 2003, the summer of 2003, was charged and arrested. Um, and he was not suspended by the NBA. He played the entire season, uh, even while court dragged on throughout the year um, and was never sidelined. So I, I think people just sort of need to you know, need to understand there's allegations, there's an investigation. If there was even charges, that wouldn't necessarily trip the uh, trip the wire for a suspension. So, um, you know, it's it, it just honestly, Michael, it just makes it for um, a very unfortunate situation all around in, in the midst of a of a of a fun Thunder basketball season. Obviously, these matters are more grave than that, um, but it just sort of casts a pall on things. Yeah, it's much more heavy than the basketball season, but it is it's a difficult choice because if you suspend him, you can look at it as an admission of guilt of it's like, oh, well, they suspended him because they know something. And then if you don't suspend him, it's like, well, why aren't you suspending him? So there's not really a win in the situation other than just hoping that we can get all the facts from this investigation and clear up exactly what's going on. But like you mentioned with Kobe, there has been somewhat of a precedence before in the NBA of like, as investigations looking into things are ongoing, that doesn't mean necessarily that a guy has to sit for a long period of time. Right. Um, now, if, as with any player, uh, if there is a, um, you know, if there's a guilty plea, um, if someone is found, is, is, you know, officially charged, you know, those matters would trip that lever. Um, but, you know, we're not there yet with Josh Giddy. So um, that's, sort of the update as of now on what's happening there with him. It's obviously something that, you know, we are monitoring and, and we are looking for any information that, that comes along in regards to that. Uh, on the basketball floor, though, Michael, um, you know, we can we can pivot that and talk about Josh Giddy's play on the floor this season, which uh, if you look across the board, his statistics the entire season have been down. And um, obviously, even before Thanksgiving, when some of these allegations were, you know, uh, made their way onto onto X, um, you know, there there has been some struggles in his game this year. Um, as you're watching, sort of, what are you seeing, and what might you attribute to, you know, just some of the things with him that have been a little off this year? Well, going back to a conversation we had earlier, it's still a smallish sample size, uh, and we have to look back to the two good years he had before. I mean, that should weigh a little bit more than what we're seeing right now. But maybe there's, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there's been too much of an emphasis on his shot and there hasn't been a lot of development on some of the other aspects of his game. Because I think the shot has been so premium that we're just like, if he can shoot, that changes everything. But there's still some questions I have about him 
mainly as a ball handler and just how straight up and down he plays because I think you see a lot of defenders who, if they're smaller or stronger, can get into his chest and steal the ball. I think that him not being able to get to places where he'd like to to get better shots is definitely inhibiting him, along with just adjusting to a lot of these new guys in the rotation. Chet is a massive piece um, physically and just type and, you know, whatever with these other things. And then J-Dub also has taken another leap and Casey Wallace is playing a lot more minutes. So it's a lot of factors, but I think that maybe I want to hear what you think. We've been focusing too much on the shot. I think that does make some sense. You know, uh, I, I think the observers and the fan base has been sort of obsessed with can can you get up to 33% consistently from three, 34%. Uh, can you get to the line at a high rate? Like that was one of the talking points coming into the season as well. And I, I think one thing that we sort of we talked about it in the offseason on all my podcasts that like there was going to be an adjustment period. Uh, Chet is a significant part of this team and integrating him in was going to create some discomfort. Um, it was going to cause you know some relearning on how things come together. And I think as Chet has established himself more and more, it sort of lessened the opportunities there for, for Josh Giddy. And, you know, this was one of my arguments over the summer when, when people wanted the Thunder to go out and make a big splashy addition. It, it, name whoever the player was. You know, I, I saw you know, Jeremy Grant was a popular one. Kyle Kuzma was another one. What are those high usage guys? Well, it's like there's, you know, shots are kind of scarce right now with so many talented guys on the team. And I think you're sort of seeing a result of that is that as those players grow, as you mentioned, it's really hard for that fourth wheel to be consistent. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the opportunities that maybe he had last season haven't presented themselves. And he's just, you know, again, trying to find his way. And, um, you know, along the way, you know, we've seen Mark Dignall not use him uh, in fourth quarters and in clutch time unless it's for an inbounds pass. And we've seen Mark pivot and go to other guys like uh, Aaron Wiggins last night against uh, Minnesota. So, um I, I think it's I think a lot of it probably has to do as far as what's going on in his mind, we'll never know. We could speculate, that's pointless. But what we can see on the floor is sort of the impact on adding another star player in Chad Holmgren. Yeah, and this is something I talked about before in other pods as well with his shot. So I'm somebody who also tried to adjust my shot playing in college, must like his, where you remove the thumb flick and I talked to Josh about this last year. It's like relearning how to walk or relearning how to chew. Like these are things that you've been doing your entire life. And I was hoping that there would be more of a leap from him after a full season and more importantly, a full off season working more with Chip England. But I'm with you. I think it's still too early with a lot of these things. We can't get to his mind, but I think the shot is the most obvious thing that people can point to because if he can, if he's making a reasonable amount of his shots or above average, I think that a lot of these issues go away but it gets compounded whenever that's the main thing. Yeah. And again, it's, it, it becomes more challenging when you're not getting as many shots as last year, where if you miss a shot, maybe it's, a, you know, several more possessions before you get that next opportunity, trying to find that rhythm, I think can be really challenging. So, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a work in progress, uh, but I, I, the benefit has been, you know, sort of Chet's emergence and, you know, I mentioned the Minnesota game last night. Obviously, the Thunder lost 106 to 103. Um, 
you know, and it was a game where the Thunder led by, I believe, 12 at one point. Uh, Minnesota played a fantastic defensive game. And, you know, Minnesota, at least early on, looks fairly legit. And Oklahoma City, on the road in a tough environment, in a very physical basketball game, you know, held their own. And they were right there. And we can go back and point out things aside from Josh Giddy's play on the court. You know, Chet was inefficient. Isaiah Joe was missing shots that he had a stretch that he was not missing. Little things like that. Um, what is your take? Her, you know, here's 17 games into the season or so. Uh, is OKC actually one of the best in the West? Or are we getting a little too in front of our skis here? I think that they're among the best in the West. I guess my caveat or question to you is, is best in the West top three? Is it top four to five? Where where exactly is your cutoff among like the best? Yeah, I mean, in, in trying to figure out, you know, exactly, you know, where they are, because I mean, like, you know, being, you know, two in the West right now, is that going to sustain the entire season? It feels, um, it seems unlikely. Uh, I mean, obviously, sports are full of surprises. Uh, we will see. But, um, you know, Right now, calling them a top four team in the West based on what we've seen, you know, yes, they they don't have they don't quite have that signature win yet. They've beat the teams they're supposed to be. Um, they've had close losses and others. They've only really been completely out of one game, and that was against Denver. Um, Sacramento kind of held them at bay the entire game, but it's not like there was all hope was lost in that one. And so, you know, you see a lot of signs where, okay, yeah, compared to sort of how the rest of the West is shaking out, it doesn't seem so crazy to put them in the, like, among the top four in the West right now. Yeah, I'd say that's that's accurate. Four to five. I think that the Thunder, just given their youth, it's going to help them a lot, on a lot of nights and their high-level talent, but at the same time, that same youth and guys not knowing how to play with each other is also going to knock them down some pegs on, from a night-to-night basis. So it'll all balance out. And I think that they are a better team than the likes of the Clippers. And um, I think even the Warriors right now, you could say above them. But I think that maybe this is the conservative way to look at it. But top four to five looks really good, which if we go back to the preseason, if you said they're a top four to five team, that'd be incredible. So just them falling from two to four shouldn't be this like uh, the world is caving in doomsday scenario. This is even better than what we expected, at least in my mind. Yeah. Um, again, they're off to a uh, they're off to a really good start, and some of that, you know, if, if you look at some stats like margin of victory, that's going to be fluffed up by beating the brakes off of San Antonio and Portland. But also, like really good teams do things like that. You know, really good teams don't like hang around and and, and squeak away with a four point victory or something. Um, you know, the Thunder came out and are clearly better than those teams, and and that's another sign I think to sort of look at is. You know, throughout an NBA season, a team is supposed to beat the worst teams in the league and and beat them fairly handily, and then you know they're gonna they're gonna compete against uh, some of their peers, and that's what we've seen so far. So I'm really curious to see you know how this team continues to evolve over the next week or two. Uh, especially now we got two games added to the schedule. Um, how do you feel about OKC going to Houston and and getting another home game, a Friday night game against Golden State next week? I'm excited for the Warriors game to finally, well, it's either going to be 2-2. We'll have Draymond back for that one as long as he's healthy. We get to solve that. That'll be fun. And then as for the Rockets, it's interesting because they haven't played yet. And that's just been such a weird dynamic of those two teams playing the last few years where Thunder fans coming into it are very, very confident. And for whatever reason, the Rockets have just handled them 
So yeah. I'm interested to see with Chet on the floor, this version of Shea, and the new iteration of the Rockets under Ime Udoka adding uh, Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, what that looks like. But I think we're in for some good basketball. Yeah, I think those are a couple of uh, of excellent matches to sort of fill in there. We we no longer have a dead week. You know, there for a while I was you know looking at my calendar like, why did the Thunder not play all week? Oh, that's right, the in season tournament. Uh, which, by the way, just sort of a small pivot there. I I feel like that you know the NBA has got to be patting themselves on the back right now for this idea. Um, I, I know that there's going to be some people that still kind of, you know, roll their eyes or just sort of, you know, try to find ways to, uh, you know, to not give it any weight whatsoever. But it feels like to me, and I'm curious if you feel the same way, it feels like those games have had a little bit of something extra to them, which is all the NBA really wanted in the regular season, especially early on is, can we give these games just a little more meaning? And it feels like in the ones that I saw that weren't complete runaways, you got just that. Exactly. I love the new floors. I, I think that some of them are ugly, obviously, but I like it from <laughs> yeah. the, the aspect of you look at it and you can tell immediately this is an in-season tournament game. You know, there's no, it's like, I don't have to look in like uh, the info on my remote or something. It's like, what game is this? I don't have to check Twitter. You can just look at the floor and you know. And then just some of the other dynamics. I mean, I was somebody who was kind of skeptical about this as well. But like you saw it the other night, the Celtics beat the Bulls and they're going hack a drumming to get the point <laughs> differential, which is, sounds ridiculous. And you're thinking NBA with point differential. But then once you start to sit down, you're like, so now teams have to they're winning by 10 on the road and they can't pull their starters because they really need to like beat the brakes off these guys. And you have pride on the other uh, side for the other team. I think it's super interesting. I think as time goes on and we get like more and more. I don't know, uh, precise with this and more intelligent how to work it because the um, the play-in is very different from what we saw earlier too. So as yeah. we keep evolving, keep learning and keep adjusting, I think this is going to be something that stays in the NBA calendar that fans really get into. I'm really interested when they get to Vegas. Like, is that sort of a trigger that really it, it, you're always going to have some people that are going to be off the bandwagon completely but are there some people that like see basketball played in Vegas we don't know what the floors are going to look like it could be something extra special there I just think the atmosphere is going to be something that even if like you're an Oklahoma City fan your team's not playing but you tune in that night and you see that this is this is a game that has some degree of stakes I know ultimately the prize is more money for basketball players and that's kind of hard to you know to get too fired up about but I'm just more concerned about the quality of the game and you know sort of what I've seen is not a whole lot of fooling around if if you're a team that uh you know that is in it um going out and and it just again it just feels like there's a little something extra there so uh again early on I think the NBA has to be excited from what I've read the ratings are up in those particular games uh and that's all the that's all the league really wanted especially going into new tv negotiations where maybe they want to sell this whole thing as a separate package to another uh you know to, to one of their uh, partners whether it's streaming or broadcast yeah i think initially launching this they've done a good job of just like the courts we mentioned and then tuesday and friday very simple you don't have to look up it's like oh well this game tonight isn't in season but this next one is it, they're making it very simple for us and hopefully they'll keep simplifying it but i'm with you I, i'm excited to see what happens in vegas i think you're going to get sort of like a new york knicks crowd environment where it's not really fans for certain teams it's just people who want to watch good basketball and i'm with you like you said 
the incentives are there for the players, but they could be playing for nothing. As long as it's competitive basketball where guys are really trying, fans are going to show up and really watch these games because it's going to be from high-level teams. You're not going to end up in the finals and it's the, the Wizards playing against the, the Blazers or something. Like You're guaranteed some pretty good teams that you'll see in the playoffs. So seeing them match up is going to be really interesting. Although Wizards versus Pistons was a different kind of entertaining <laughs> the other night. Um, yeah, and look, the NBA is is clearly trying to combat a lot of the narratives, which I think it, some of them are, are out of line. There are a lot of them are fair um, about players that are just sort of going through the motions, going at 75% at various points in the seasons. I get it. It's an 82-game regular season. It's, it's long. There's a, a lot of, you know... There's a lot of uh, other factors that fans may not be aware of, but, um, you know, just just to, to, to bump it up just a little bit. And, and and I think, you know, again, they've done a tremendous job. Um, so pivoting back away from the in-season tournament a little bit, the IST, I guess, is we're going to know it uh, going forward. So, you know, we touched upon Chet Holmgren a little bit earlier. Um you know, for me, I he sort of exceeded my expectations. I tried to to temper them and be a little bit conservative on what I thought he might average points per game and and defensively. So far, he's he's sort of cleared all of those bars that I had set, which were admittedly not very high. Uh, trying to be reasonable here for a guy coming off of an injury. What has impressed you the most as you've watched him play this season? I feel like we could just rave about Chet for forty minutes about a lot of the things that have impressed us. I guess to start out. Just the stability and consistency from him. A lot of these guys, like, and this will probably happen to him at some point, he'll hit a rookie wall or something like that. But just his maturity, he goes out there and looks like he's he's a pro. He's been doing this for a long, a long time. He doesn't look overwhelmed. I mean, in games this season, 17 games, he's only shot under 40% three times. He's hit multiple threes in eight of 17 games. Only Lou Dort and Isaiah Joe have done that for the Thunder. And among rim protectors, he's already among the elite. He's fifth in blocks per game, only trailing Brooke Lopez, Anthony Davis, Victor Wimbanyama, and Rudy Gobert. So pretty good stuff from him. And there's not a whole lot of fat in his game that you need to cut out where you go, well, if he'll just stop shooting that or if he'll stop doing this one thing with his handle, his game feels very mature, which is not like a super tangible thing. But when you watch rookies, you saw this a lot with Jada last year of just the highest compliment you can give a rookie is saying, that guy doesn't look like a rookie. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if some people thought that he was going to be like rookie Pokashevsky out there where like anything could happen and like something crazy that ended up with the ball and the, you know, in, in, in loud city was going to happen, but no, none of that. And it, there's even just little things again, blocking the shot and keeping it inbounds. We've seen that happen a lot and, you know, youthful exuberance, the initial reaction is going to be, I'm going to swap this into the crowd, right? I'm going to go for the big show. I'm going to go for the big highlight. Um, but we've sort of seen that consistently. And, and to me, that's very telling in that he understands that value, that if I can block it and keep it in bounds, that's a possession that we get to maintain and go down the floor and do something. Um, so, yeah, he's been wildly entertaining. He's also just sort of... You know, like with Minnesota, for example, you've got Rudy Gobert, you got Carl Towns, but like those guys are not built to like chase Chet out to the three point line and then retreat back to the basket. And so he just helps, you know, he's getting a lot of open looks this season by being that stretch five that opposing fives are not accustomed to having to cover out there. And I think that goes into the Thunder philosophy. 
This is what they've wanted all along. And they've sort of known that, yeah, they're going to give up a couple of things as a result of trying to play these smaller lineups. But look at some of these benefits and that as his game continues to grow, that should pay off more and more. Yeah, and he can grow into some more of these things. I mean, physically he can grow and just also his game in terms of rebounding and other things like that. But like you mentioned, he's a matchup nightmare out there on the perimeter where if you have a big who closes out to him, he's too quick, he'll go right by him. He has one of the best pump fakes I've seen in the league, but he seemingly gets everyone. And then if you say, well, we'll put a smaller guy on him to keep uh, Chet in front of him, he'll just shoot right over the top. So there's not a lot of winning, especially when he's shooting at like a 40% clip from three. So I'm very interested to see how his game evolves, because I don't think that this is like the final evolution in Chet's game by any means. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about, you know, just go back and think about a lot of great players. You know, it's like their first season, like, oh, that's really interesting. Second year, wow, they're really impactful. And then they go on to become multiple time all stars. You know, I know Chet is like a red shirt rookie because having missed last season, um, it's that whole debate like we had with Ben Simmons and Blake Griffin and company in the past. But um, yeah, it's like this is there's more to come in his game and uh you know that's exciting to think about especially as we've we've seen that with Shea Gildas Alexander who you know came oh 19 point per game score that's kind of nice and suddenly you know this guy's dropping 30 a night and his potential MVP candidate it's exciting to think about what Chet could be you know not only this season but you know think ahead to like a year or two and again this is all part of the Thunder vision yeah and one thing that I really have enjoyed is just the level of talk that NBA players have discussed him in early because these guys don't just say nice things just to say it but Rudy Gobert has been very complimentary of him uh Draymond Green Kevin Durant you can go down the list of like all these guys where it's like that that's a guy right there so I've been super super impressed with Chet he's only gonna get better the one thing that I would say is, is like a slight thing is you know you wrote about this the rebounding concerns did you know that Chet this year has had seven double digit rebounding uh, games this season the thunder are six and one so obviously it doesn't come down to just oh well once chet hits 10 that means the thunder are going to win but in a game like this where it can be so close if he can get a couple extra boards and have his like presence felt a little bit more on the interior and on the glass i think that that's going to pay dividends for this team Absolutely. I mean, that's one area that could absolutely improve. And uh, I saw a clip last night pointing out where uh, it was late in the game, but, you know, like Rudy Gobert sealing him off, like boxing him out as opposed Mm -hmm. to the other way around, you know, so that way Rudy got positioned in case, you know, there was an offensive rebound. A a lot of that is just you learn the tricks of the game as you go along. And, you know, um, so it's uh, he's he's off to a to a great start to say the least, you know. But one thing about Oklahoma City is, and this has been a problem that has plagued the team dating back to the Billy Donovan years, and that is when zone defenses are thrown at them. And you know, it is the one thing that that really throws OKC for a loop. I haven't you know done a, a deep dive statistically to see what kind of disruption that causes league wide whenever those uh, zone defenses are unleashed, but you know. We saw Philadelphia do this because that's what Nick Nurse does. He likes to run all sorts of quirky defenses. And, you know, it, was, it stalled out the Thunder. It happened again uh, against Minnesota. And I'm not an X's and O's guys necessarily. I don't know that I could sit down and diagram a play that's going to break it. But, you know, whenever you see another team go into zone, what's your thought about what we're about to see? That the other team is really trying to junk it up. I mean, the Thunder, a lot of their game is 
predicated on drive and kick. Shea leads the league in drives. You want to get him down into the paint, and either he's going to lay it up or start your offense. And there are some like X's nose things. Like I've seen them try to put Josh Giddy at the nail to mm-hmm. have some extra passing. They put Jay Will there, but a lot of it just comes down to simply you got to hit your shots, or it's going to turn into like a middle school basketball game where everybody packs the paint, and it's just gross. But this is just sort of the reality that we're in. I mean, Philadelphia especially, they had no one to guard Shea. So what they said is, we'll just have all five guys guard him. We'll just pack the paint. And uh, that that paid dividends for them, but it really comes down to shooting. The Thunder this year have been just sort of live and die by the three. In their 11 wins, they've shot 45% from three, along with making an average of 14 threes per game. And their losses, they're shooting 31.1, uh, 31.3% from three, along with making an average of 10. And most interesting to me is it's not for a lack of volume. They actually get more shots up in the losses. So it's not that teams are running them off the line, but it's some of those things that they have to be more consistent. We've seen a cold stretch from Isaiah Joe and Lou Dort. Chet has been sort of up and down. And then the shooting of the other starters between Shea, Giddy, and J-Dub, they don't shoot a lot of threes. So those, those are some of the things that I think that they need to sort of get these teams out of a zone. I thought it was smart to go with uh, with Wiggins uh, last night because, again, someone that can make those smart cuts and try to find those little gaps in the defense. Um, you know, that was smart. And, of course, him knocking out a couple of big threes, uh, you know, was a big part of that, too. But um, it's it, that is something that, you know, again, it's it's been a problem for a while. It's not always about, well, you have to shoot him out of a zone. You have to find a way to attack it somehow. And obviously with the zone defense, it's easy for guys to collapse, like you mentioned. Um, so finding ways to to try to break that, I think is going to be something that I, I don't want to say like that's the next level for this team. And now they're going to be you know ready to set sail or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to find some ways to discourage teams from falling back into that and, and knowing that that's going to be something that throws the thunder off. Um, so I don't know if that's you know going to be more personnel. I don't know if that's more growth. Um, you know, maybe it's it's finding that, hey, uh, we actually if, if we put Chet up at the nail, we can sort of initiate from there. And then because he is a really good passer and he is someone that can put the ball on the floor, drive. And I, I understand the, you know, the idea behind trying Giddy in that role. Maybe they need to try Chet. Just a thought. I don't know. Uh, this is just free advice from a from, from a podcaster, which I'm sure the Thunder uh, appreciate getting all the time. I'm sure Sam Presti is listening to this, like writing down <laughs> furiously in his notes. <laughs> put Chet they at probably, the nail. They probably never thought about it before. Like, oh wow, this guy's got it. Yeah, what what, what imagination? Um, but uh, you know, just looking for for little things going forward that they uh, that they could try because it's you know it's proven very effective to thrown against them. So. Um, but still, you know, we're talking about a Thunder team that uh, is off to a uh, off to a tremendous start. They have the Lakers coming into town, and uh, you know that's going to be interesting. Uh, the Lakers are actually playing. This is being recorded Wednesday night. They're playing against the Detroit Pistons with LeBron James, Anthony Davis in the lineup. Uh, we'll see if they make the the lineup tomorrow night and uh then the thunder goes to dallas on saturday really curious about that one do you have any thoughts about that matchup coming up on saturday between okc and dallas i am gonna have my popcorn ready and my seat reclined to watch lou dort and luka Doncic go at it that's one of my favorite like we don't get a lot of whole uh, we don't get a whole lot of just like one-on-one defensive matchups like a corner and a wide receiver in football this is that where Lou Dort matches up pretty well with Luca, the physicality, the uh, lack of athleticism, 
from Luca, uh, lack of, or, or I mean, the strength from both sides. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. And this is a team that potentially, if the season keeps going the way it has so far, could be a playoff matchup. But what about you? What are you looking forward to the most? Weirdly enough, Chet versus Derek Lively. Uh, just a couple of, you know, deer that are still trying to, you know, figure out how to walk on four legs. Um, I, I'm kind of interested. I mean, Lively has been has been pretty solid for Dallas early on this year. Um, and so I, I think that's a good opportunity for, uh, you know, for Chet to go against someone that is a little more mobile um, and uh, and see what kind of a challenge that presents. So uh, definitely curious to see. Uh, because yeah, it's uh, you know a couple of teams that are right by each other in the Western Conference, and a lot of fun basketball left to come. So, uh, thanks to Michael for joining me today on the big, big friendly sports show with John Ham. If this is your first time listening, uh, please hit like, please subscribe, please leave comments. Uh, we'll be checking on those, and uh, and you know, uh, drop me something good. We'll drop it into the show. That's how that works. So, thanks to all of our sponsors for your support for the show as well. Take care. We'll see you next time. One. One.